The last image of that video was the Word of God. I'm going to ask that you would take the Word of God, if you have it with you this morning, and open it to John chapter 8. I want to read just a few verses with you this morning, and I want to talk about experiencing true freedom. I believe the Bible tells us how that we can experience true freedom. In John's Gospel, Jesus is teaching here, and he's telling uh, those Jewish uh, people what it's going to take. And he has an encounter with the Pharisees, and we're going to read about that encounter. So if you would, stand as we honor the reading of the Word of the Lord today. John chapter 8, starting in verse 31 through verses 36. And here's what the Bible says, and if you don't have your Bible, it is on the screen for you. Then said Jesus to these Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How saith thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth forever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Father, thank you for the the promise that, Lord, it is only God Himself that actually makes us free. We're thankful that we live in a land that is called free, but there is no real freedom. The reality is that if we want to know freedom, we must know Jesus Christ and the the gift that He has paid for us on Calvary's cross. Lord, I pray that You would move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross today, and, and that, Lord, Your Word would speak today, and that You would challenge us as Your people, that we might recognize the sinfulness of our own humanity and recognize the salvation that comes through the grace of God. And Lord, we might recognize that if we want true freedom, there is a way to receive it. Lord, I ask that you would just hear me now as I pray for these that are listening this morning. Open their ears, but not only their physical ears, open their spiritual ears so their heart will be attuned to you, O Lord, and that they might receive a word from you, and your Holy Spirit would do a work in them that we might see a change in us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me just start off by saying happy 4th of July. It is a, a, an amazing thing. Amen, buddy. All right. Um, you know, I, I, I sat back this week and tried to think about when was the last time, and I know it's, and I think, about nine years or so, and I just couldn't remember what I did on that Sunday. Um, you know, those many years ago when it was the 4th of July Sunday. So I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so I began to read and begin to study and begin to think about things. And, and here's what I came up with. That we need to understand and experience what true freedom really is. With that in mind, everything valuable comes with a price. And freedom is no exception. Rather, it is our freedom to choose our place of worship as you have this morning, to travel across borders or to pursue a career or that of, uh, of our choosing or our f- uh, whatever it is that you choose to do and go this morning. Our freedoms are costly. 
We have untold debt to those who have fought and sacrificed for the political and social liberties that we enjoy in America today. However, it would be a disservice if we only talked about America today. It is that we need to talk about our spiritual condition and our reality that we would be in great trouble if God had not loved us enough to send His only begotten Son to die on the cross for us. Our spiritual liberty was not cheap. God gave His only begotten Son. Jesus gave His only life. We owe our spiritual freedom to Jesus Christ and to Him alone who paid for it on Calvary's cross. Every drop of His blood was shed so that you and I could have spiritual freedom from our sin today. Jesus is the only way to find spiritual freedom from the enslavement of our sin. We were born into sin. We will die in sin. But thank God I have been set free from my sins through Jesus Christ. To know Christ is to know true freedom. Jesus himself said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God's sacrifice for us was not measured by financial expense or political gain. When Jesus came to earth, he sacrificed his untold glory and splendor in heaven to walk among us. He endured more physical and emotional pain in his final days than we can even begin to imagine. He experienced the spiritual pain of being separated from the Father while hanging on a cross. He paid for our sins with his own blood. While we should always be grateful for the men and women who have sacrificed so much for our political and social freedoms that we enjoy in America today, our overwhelming thanks should be dedicated to God, and our praise above our nation should be to our God for the great sacrifice that He has made through His Son. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ should be praised far better and greater than those who have given to us the freedoms of America. But whatever blessings of political freedom we have experienced in this world, they cannot compare to the freedoms that Jesus gives those who trust Him. The daily liberties we treasure on this earth are fleeting, but our spiritual freedom will last for eternity. The freedom that Jesus offers is not a political system that will change every few years, but it is a freedom from sin that will last for eternity. It is a release from the chains that enslave one's soul to the things of this world. I am thankful that Jesus died to break the chains that held me captive. I want to talk about just a few things today that I believe that Jesus brings up here in this text that we need to understand in order for us to experience true spiritual freedom. The fact that Jesus offers the possibility of freedom is amazing. The fact that a sinful human race that has rejected God over and over and over again 
And yet God would send His Son while we were shaking our fist at Him that He would come and die for us is just beyond my comprehension. Jesus offers the possibility of freedom. In verses 31 and 32, we see that Jesus is beginning to, to make this conversation come alive. Jesus makes one of the most amazing inspirational claims in all of history. Consider for a moment the incredible hope expressed in the promise that Jesus can set people free. I remember the multiple times the scripture records Jesus talking about forgiving sins in the midst of healing someone and setting people free from the bonds of slavery to sin. People were so amazed back then. And my friends, we need to be amazed today that God would, would take you as sinful as you are and pour His love upon your life and say to you, you are forgiven. My friends, unless you and I have sheltered or lived a sheltered life, you have probably experienced someone in, with an enslaved soul or someone you know who is struggling to break free from the ungodly chains of this world. Maybe through addiction, maybe through struggles of, uh, of uh, bad marriages, whatever that is, God can set them free. These ungodly chains may be easily to identify like immoral addictions or, uh, or bitterness or legalism or insecurities, fear and greed and poverty, worldliness, Doubt, anger, am I getting close to home? I know I am with me. All of these things that we experience each and every day in our life remind us that we are slaves to sin if Jesus doesn't set us free. A failure to experience the abundant life is a failure to miss out on the blessings of freedom. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10, in verse 10, the second part, the thief cometh in the night but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But listen to what Jesus came to do. I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. God knows that we live in a sinful, broken world where the, the devil is at, at war with everyone. He is destroying everything within his path. But God said, I've come to set you free, to give you a life not just to get by, but an abundant life, blessings from God above. To those living in bondage, I want you to hear me today. Jesus offers freedom. It doesn't matter if it is a great bondage or a small bondage. You need to be set free today. And Jesus offers unto us. On this particular day, we think about our, our offer uh, of independence from a nation. But Jesus says, I offer unto you, sinful man, a way to be set free from your sin. What are some of the things that Jesus offers? First of all, the freedom offered by Jesus is first spiritual. His freedom is not a political resolution. He does not want us to revolt. He wants us to surrender. He wants us to recognize that it is more important for us to consider the need of the soul than it is the need of a political power. 
True freedom is, is not about changing your outward circumstances. This is a significant concept because it reveals that Jesus can free you wherever uh, you are. Paul was on the road to Damascus while persecuting the Christians. The prodigal found himself in the pig pen when God set him free. Peter was in a boat fishing. One woman was drawing water from a well. Another woman was found and given freedom while caught in adultery. A thief was on a cross of execution when Jesus said to him, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Spiritual freedom is not dependent upon physical circumstances that, that, may have that you may have led to or contributed to your own bondage. Jesus can set you free in your marriage without causing a divorce. Jesus can set you free when you are overdrawn in your checkbook without making a deposit. Jesus can set you free from past and current failures without you having to load up a U-Haul and move to a different town. Don't misunderstand me. This concept, it means something. It means that Jesus wants to do something in your life. But it also means that there is a place and a part that we have to play. We may need to make, and, uh, and Christ may need to lead us to make some physical and circumstantial changes in our life. We need to realize sometimes God is offering the freedom, a spiritual freedom, but He says, listen, there are some things in your life that must go away. And we must recognize our sin in order to be set free from it. One of the main truths of divine freedom is Jesus is more concerned about setting your soul free than defeating the Roman Empire or some other external force that is plaguing your life. This is what Paul was talking about when he said that we could have the peace of God that passes all understanding and it shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus in Philippians chapter 4. The freedom Jesus offers is first spiritual. But Jesus offers freedom that is also purposeful. Jesus describes the freedom he offers resulting from abiding in his truth. Freedom is not a lack of restraint that allows one to fulfill any selfish desires, but genuine freedom takes place in the arena or the stadium of divine truth. As we abide in Christ, we are released from the chains of the world and released from the sin that keeps us captive. We are released to be a part of God who created us to be free. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, the Bible tells us that Paul wanted us to understand that God has not only given us spiritual freedom, but He has set us free so that we don't have to do it anymore. Just like a fish has been created to swim in the water, you and I have been created to live in the truth of Christ's love. Consider playing an instrument like that beautiful piano over there. Who is free to play that piano 
a toddler who has never taken a lesson but freely bangs upon the keys like I would do, or the person like Tammy who can play it and make it beautiful music. Of course, the skilled musician is free to play the instrument as it was created and designed to play. We, God's children, were created to walk in fellowship with Almighty God. But sin hindered that relationship by enslaving us and separating our life from God. The writer of Hebrews says it like this in chapter 12, verse 1. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us. Christ is the only one who can set us free to enjoy the life as a child of God instead of living enslaved to the sin of this world. I don't know about you, but I know what it is to live enslaved to the sins of this world. I am a sinner. And I am thankful that God has set me free. That doesn't mean that I don't sin. That doesn't mean that I don't need His forgiveness every day. I fight my sinfulness every day. The Bible says that I can crucify my flesh. That it's not I that liveth, but Christ that lives through me. You can as well. The second thing that we see is not only does Jesus offer that freedom... But he also says, the, he shares with us the obvious perils of freedom. You see, the reality is that we need to understand that as God is offering, Satan is counter-offering. Satan is trying to place obstacles in our path. Satan wants to trip us up. He wants us to fail. He doesn't want God to succeed. So what are the obvious perils of freedom? Even though Jesus clearly declared that freedom was possible, the sad reality is that very few in this world experience it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 say something like this. Enter you there into the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there are which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there are that find it. The Bible tells us there that, that wide is the way that leads to destruction. Satan has made it so easy for us to take the wrong path. But narrow is the way that leadeth unto righteousness. We must make a conscious choice, a decision within our lives to say, God, I want to follow you. I don't want to follow the things of the flesh in the world anymore. And let me just give you a few. This list is not exhaustive by any means, but it's a few of the parable or perils that we find and roadblocks that hinder freedom that Jesus talks about here. The first peril that Jesus acknowledges is the peril is ignorance. The peril of ignorance. Now, listen, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm telling you that it, what you do not know, what you choose not to know, is ignorance. When we have the truth, 
and we choose not to seek it, to know it, that is ignorance. Jesus is declaring a new truth to some who, who did not know that freedom was even possible. And Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, verse 3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. When we know the truth, or we have the truth, or we've been told the truth, and we choose not to follow it, Paul says that is ignorance. The Bible describes those who lack knowledge of Christ's ministry as living in darkness. The Bible reminds us that we were all living in darkness, but the light came into the world. But listen, what the world said was we'd rather live in our darkness than experience what the light reveals in our sinful lives. And so wide is the way. And Jesus came to bring a bright light to shine in the darkness. But many want the light turned off because it reveals to us the depth of our sinfulness. The second peril that Jesus acknowledges is not only ignorance, but the peril is arrogance. I want you to understand that he's addressing Christians, Jews who had made a, 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 a change in their life and willing to follow Christ, and then comes along the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who thought they knew everything. They thought that they were right with God and said unto him, How can you offer freedom when we are of the seed of Abraham? The Pharisees' statement here, that they had never lived as slaves is not just inaccurate. It is simply arrogant. Israel had experienced slavery under so many. God used slavery to bring the children of Israel back to a time of repentance over and over again. The Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, and I can go on all the way up to the Roman Empire in which they were in slavery at the very moment that Jesus was talking to them. And yet to arrogantly say, we've never been in slavery. We all are in slavery to sin. For the Bible says in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They were unwilling to admit that they had failed to meet God's standard, a holy standard that God has set for all of us. If we want to experience God, if we want to see God, we must meet that standard. And by the way, none of us can. Thank God for Jesus. Because it is only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we have been made righteous that we can stand before the Father. We have sinned and fallen short. They were living a legalistic life that arrogantly rejected God's offer of amazing grace. And then there was the reluctance to change. A peril that, that many of us even today face, we're reluctant to change. Reluctance is the third peril that prevents some of us from responding to Christ's offer of freedom even today. 
the context of the uh, Scripture reveals that some had already placed their faith in Christ. And he said, as they spake these words, many believed on him, back in verse 30. While others believed that Jesus was preaching, but had not taken the next step of placing their faith in him. This group was not ignorant. They had heard the truth. They were not arrogant because they recognized that they had a need that only Jesus could meet. The problem was they were unwilling to surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Many sit in the pews at churches all across the world. They're willing to take what God has to offer, but they're not willing to surrender their life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And let me make it clear to you, if God is not Lord of all of your life, He is not Lord at all in your life. He does not take what you offer. He takes it all or He doesn't take it at all. That is the truth. And then the next peril is the complacency in life. Content is found, contentment is found in the text is, is even though there is an exhortation to be free indeed or complete freedom. This exhortation seems to stand in contrast to those who would accept the marginal freedom just give me a little bit of freedom. I don't really want it all. I just want enough to get by. Jesus offers true freedom from the top shelf instead of settling for the cheap prizes on the bottom shelf. I read a story that went along with that about a father taking his four-year-old daughter, if you've ever been to Chuck E. Cheese... <laughs> Yeah, there you go. He's been to Chuck E. Cheese. They get you playing all these games. They get you, you know, spending all your money for these little tickets. And if you collect a few tickets, you get to go and pick out a prize. And most of the times, all you get to pick out is the bottom shelf prizes. Well, one day, this little girl had, had hit the jackpot. And she had made the mother load. And she went up to the counter carrying all of her tickets and said to her, Daddy, 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 I'm so excited. For the very first time, I can turn in my tickets and I don't have to pick from the bottom shelf. I can pick from the top shelf. God says, listen, my friends, you have a choice. You can settle for the cheap imitation on the bottom shelf, or you can have the best of life and the freedom that Christ offers. It's your choice. Again, remember, Jesus said, I've come to offer you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Are you living free indeed, or are you just living free? Free to do what you want, but not free from the sin that keeps us captive to our own selfish desires. Number three, understanding the process of experiencing freedom is important, and I'm getting ready to wrap this up. Jesus identifies a process for experiencing true freedom, and he gives 
two simple words, and I want you to hear. Two simple words that, are, that, that can change the direction of your life. If, then. If, then. The process should not be confused with a legalistic formula. Jesus isn't saying, if you have a quiet time of 30 minutes every day with prayer and singing, if you tithe faithfully, if you only miss one Sunday school lesson twice a year, you can be free. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. While Jesus does not subscribe a formula, his words reveal a way in which things operate in his kingdom. For example, every one of us tomorrow morning are free to watch the sun rise. However, in order to do that, there are two things you need to do. Anybody under think you know what I'm talking about? First of all, you got to get up before the sun rises. Yuck. Now some of you do. The second thing is, you got to make sure you're facing east. If you're facing west, you're going to miss it. You see, the reality is, if you choose to sleep in tomorrow morning, you're going to miss the sunrise. It will be sunrise, but you will have missed the experience. If you fail to, to face eastwardly while the sun is rising, you will miss the experience. Why? Because God has established there are certain ways things work. Certain ways things have to be done in order to experience what He has given to us. The little word if, backed up by then, is a big concept in the kingdom of God. That word represents an invitation. True freedom will not attack you. Rather, you must respond to God's invitation to accept complete freedom. As we've already discovered and discussed, most of us do not accept God's offer. Wide is the way. Many refuse it. However, Jesus declares that true freedom is found if then you and I remain in His Word. Listen, my friends, it's that important. We've been talking about it for six months here. Every, every week we give you a reading plan. We encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Why? Because it is the answer. If, if then, you will commit to my Word, Jesus said. Freedom is not found in self-help programs, legalistic religion, or teachings of Buddha or Muhammad. Freedom is found when we spend time in God's Word. You can't get it from pop psychologists like Dr. Phil or Oprah. You're not going to get it through selfish indulgences or unrestrained sin. True and complete freedom is found in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is found in His Word. Jesus also reveals the expectation of his people to abide in him. The need for true staying power 
is important. There are two concepts that we get from this and emerge from this text. First of all, the word abiding refers to perseverance. Perseverance. I don't know about you, but we're six months into our reading plan and I'm struggling to keep it going. But I am determined to persevere. In the midst of all that I had going on these last week and a half, I am trying to stay in the Word of God. Not just what I need to to prepare so that I can preach or I can do a funeral or I can do a Bible study, but so that I am not running on empty. Perseverance. True freedom is not found through a casual glance into the claims of Christ, but one who must be willing to dwell in the Word of God. This is not a, an offer for a 30-day trial of faith and see if you like it, and if not, you get your money back. Jesus is not talking about a, being involved in a 12, 12-week Bible study. See where you can grow from there. Jesus offers freedom to those who will abide in His Word every day. And then the second concept that we get from that is abiding is a place or location. Abiding comes from the root word abide, meaning home or dwelling place. The word picture communicates as one uh, moving into a new home. It represents a significant and ongoing change in one's life. A new area of life, a new beginning, a new station. So let me close. One of the most incredible things that we can experience is the freedom of God. We need to remember that God has given us a way in which we can experience it. Now, if you've listened to the news at all this week, you you will know that one of the topics that has been in the news is the price of gasoline. They have said it is incredibly high as it was from a year ago. But I got to thinking, imagine if Congress called me up and said, we're going to allow you to drill in your backyard for oil. Yay! We want you to help reduce the cost of the the climbing cost of fuel consumption in America. Yay! Well, I got a question for you. How much do you think drilling in my backyard is going to impact the price of fuel? Let me give you the answer. None. You know why? (laughs) Because there ain't no oil in my backyard. Well, except for in the fuel tank, and you know, that's going to run out real quick. The reality is that we can dig all day long, but in this area, we don't have the reserve for oil like they do in other places. It would be foolish to, to dig in my backyard expecting to hit a great large amount of crude oil. So listen, what I'm saying is this. You can go into the world and seek the world, but listen, you will not find Christ there. But if you spend time here, you will find Christ there. 
We've got to dig where there is a reserve. We can't go and seek it in the world where it's not there. Go to the place that you know that it's there. Jesus declared there is a deposit of truth in his word that can set everyone free. But not just free. Free indeed. All you have to do is spend time mining in his word. Just as the 4th of July represents our freedoms as Americans, we know that you don't have those freedoms. It's pretty obvious of what's going on in our southern border. If you're not a citizen living in the USA, the same thing applies to God's freedom. We must abide in His Word if we're ever to experience the freedom that comes from Christ. As you celebrate today, may you abide in Him. And may you be free indeed. But if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm telling you that the Bible says that Jesus wants to set you free right now, right here, before you leave. Tammy, if you'll come to the piano and just play um, Great is Thy Faithfulness for me, please. As Tammy's beginning to play, uh, I want you to stand if you would. I want to just pray for you. And I'm going to ask that if you have never received the salvation of Jesus Christ, if you've never been set free from the sin that, that, that keeps us separated from God, would you, would you just be willing today to say, Lord, if you're offering freedom, I'm willing to accept it. Come and let us tell you what the Bible says and how that you can be free indeed, that you can walk with Jesus as a Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as Tammy begins to play, I want to just pray for you. Then I'm going to give you an opportunity. The altar is open for you to come. If you need to pray, there's sin in your life that needs to be removed. If there's a need for salvation, please come. What good would it be to celebrate living in a free nation if we are enslaved to the sin that will eternally keep us separated from God? Father, as we bow before you this morning, as we close our time, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be able to use the words that you have given to stir the hearts of the people that you have brought so that they might see the hope of salvation, the help of being set free. So Lord, hear us now as we pray. I pray for those that are here that have never received you as Savior, that they might recognize, rather teenager, child, rather uh, adult or senior adult, Lord, that they might know that Jesus has come to set us free. He offered his blood on Calvary's cross to, to cleanse the sin that uh, broke our fellowship with God. Oh, Father. Draw them out of their darkness into your marvelous light today. For those of us that have been saved, but yet, Lord, are, are living off the bottom shelf, Lord, help us to turn in our tickets.
and say, Lord, we want to choose freedom from the top shelf. We want all that you have to offer. 